Good evening, everyone, and welcome back once again to your latest edition of The Great Canadian Songbook, the weekly show where we run through the greatest Canadian albums and eventually, one day, soon, we'll decide the very best one. I'm joined, as always, by my my illustrious co-host, Keegan Gindrich. Keegan, how you doing? I'm good. I like how illustrious always makes a comeback. I think it's always, uh, sometimes it's lovely, sometimes it's illustrious, so I'm, I'm I glad we're changing it up. <laughs> it's got to, it's lodged in my brain in, for some reason, in some weird way that when I'm like, and no offense, but I don't think it's you. Mm, it's just mm, like a thing right. that comes in. <laughs> it's just a no, thing that comes you, into my head. You know what? Thinking about it, I am not illustrious. You're right. <laughs> it's not me. I'm also like only 85% sure I know what that word means. So that's even better. <laughs> Something that has like luster, right? I, yeah, I assume yeah, I so. Yeah, anyways, well, whatever it's, words. It's, English. It's, Good, I assume. <laughs> Who's to say? <laughs> uh, all right, Keegan. Uh, we're Hi. we're we're running through we're running through these these albums at a pretty good pace. I mean, we're yeah. technically running through them at the same pace we always do, but it yeah. feels like a pretty good pace. Um, but before that, I don't know. We've we've been chatting recently. Uh, yeah. Before we hop into, so I'm just curious. You've been listening to anything new this week? Anything exciting? Anything you want to share with the class? <laughs> Um, this week, not a whole lot, to be honest with you. I kind of, I get into this thing every year where I kind of make a playlist, um, kind of at like the start of the year. Like it takes me kind mm-hmm. of a month or two to ramp it up and like really get it going. Um, but now I'm sitting at about, I think 300 songs on this playlist. So about 20 hours of music. Um, and I just kind of, I kind of rotated it and that kind of sets the the mood for the year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I've talked a lot about most of the artists that, that I have on here. Um, a lot of Phoebe Bridgers, um, a lot of Julian Baker, uh, Pine Grove, Ooh, yes. Haley Williams, uh, a lot of Kid Cudi, weirdly enough. Um, Mac Miller, Frightened Rabbit, Frank Turner, Tragically Hip, um, Lumineers, a whole bunch of amalgamations. But the general consensus is like mellow, sad, mm-hmm. um, kind of that sort of vibe. But um, yeah, I've just been putting it on rotate and, and kind of rolling with it. But um it's okay. It's good. I like it. I think it's sometimes I've got like my super heavy pop punk, like metal playlist where I'm like, ah, mm-hmm. that's like meant for summertime. Um, yeah. But in the other, other seasons, it's all, um, all usually, usually pretty mellow, but, but yeah. How about you? What have you been, what have you been good. listening to? Uh, what about me? Uh, uh, new, new Anderson pack, Bruno Mars mm. came out. Uh, that's a good single. It's a good single. I think they're really? uh, those. Oh yeah. It's, it's real good. Those two are going to put together a real good album. I'm, I'm actually a big, I like Bruno Mars, but I'm a really big Anderson Pack fan. So um, excited to see what they put together. I guess they've got a name. Silk Sonic is their like collaboration name. It's a good name. It's a good name. Um, I listen to the new, the new Drake singles. I actually, you know what? I actually, I actually like them. Uh, I think Drake's kind of picked it up a little bit since, uh, since his like, I can't remember what his last album uh, would have been Scorpion. I guess his Scorpion is really bad in my opinion, but <laughs> I like I like his I like the, those couple of singles and I've also been listening I've been listening to a lot of bomb in the music industry. Uh, nice. I don't know if you're, you're familiar. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jeff Rosenstock's previous band before going solo, and they those those are pretty much just Jeff Rosenstock albums, basically. Yeah, so it's it's fun to kind of uh, explore. I've listened to them before, but I was listening to them. oh, I've also been listening to um, a lot of Bruce Lee band. Um, I'm familiar with Bruce Lee band, um, like. Like, like, like Bruce Lee, like, well, legally, no. Okay. <laughs> but yes, <laughs> but yes. <laughs> Bruce Lee band is a, um, 
you're gonna laugh at me. They're a ska punk band. Um oh. <laughs> founded in like the nineties by Mike Park, who is like a really big guy in the scene. Um Jeff Rosenstock actually plays uh with, he's technically part of their lineup now, but yeah. They're uh they're they're a fun time. I've I, I, you kind of get the vibes this weekend based on what I what I just said. Yeah. Um yeah, Asian Man Records is actually a really uh, successful record label in kind of that area. The very DIY stuff, um, and it comes out in the music in in good ways. Um, nice. Yeah, you should look at Bruce Lee Band if you want to see funny Bruce Lee like ska edits of like random photoshops. They're funny. Okay, intriguing. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, that's you know that's what I've been listening to. It's been I was I was walking through like Walmart today listening to Bob in the music industry, and I was like. <laughs> This is a weird, weird vibes I got going on right now. I'm trying to pick up some, I'm trying to decide what peppers I want to like, which, which ones are like the freshest. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that. so yeah, no, I guess that's what I, I guess that's what I've been up to. Anyways, I feel like I always, I feel like I always run off into this weird thing, but no, that's okay. We'll hop, we'll, 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 we'll hop into it this week. We've got, um, a, we got a good, we got a good matchup this week. We've got Joni Mitchell's Blue going up against Buffy St. Marie's Power in the Blood. Um, two obviously great albums they've made it uh, this far in the um, they've made it this far in in the great uh, the great Canadian songbook bracket challenge uh, as we as we call it I guess. Um, yeah, I, I think. As, as, as previously, we'll maybe chat a little bit about each of them individually. And if any of either of us have anything to say at large about the, um, about the performers we can, um, mm. yeah, I guess we'll start off with, with blue. I know, uh, this is a, this is a special one to you. So tell us about Joni Mitchell's blue for you again. Yeah, this one, I, um, I remember right before we got into the original time we, we had it on, um, I kind of listened to it for a couple of days straight, just back, uh, back to front, front to back, however you, you want to look at it. Um, I, I really love the, the rawness of this album, the, uh, the pure, like folky, like emotional, um, outpouring, I guess. Um, it's, it's not, you know, some fancy work of, um, you know, if we're talking 1971, what else came out in 1971? I think Pink Floyd's, um, I think Uma Guma, their live record may, or no, nah, I can't even remember. Anyways, I'm just throwing spitballing. Um, but like, it's, <laughs> I, Uma Guma. Yeah. Uma Guma. It's like super, I don't want to talk about it anyways. Neither do I. <laughs> um, they had like some really like weird stuff coming out in 71, but a lot of like, you know, good produced stuff too. Not saying that it wasn't um like raw and powerful too but i'm thinking like sabbath i'm thinking zeppelin like more powerful heavy um produced records and with blue it's just super low-key and super chill and super emotions and um i like that uh, i think that's what's really unique about it it's not trying to be um super in your face not trying to sound super overproduced it sounds the way it sounds and it sounds authentic um i don't think it tries to and that was one thing that i touched on a lot actually um throughout mm -hmm. uh i think talking about it the first time um yeah i i just like the raw power of it um i think it's really great songwriting and it to be honest like at the very base level um that's what i'll kind of kind of say about it i i just like that it's it's very mellow it's very chill and it's very honest um and also i just realized uh, we're recording this on international women's day and we've got two of probably the best canadian albums from uh canadian women as well so uh bravo 
yeah, um, the uh, the bracket the bracket always gives uh, these beautiful matchups. <laughs> uh, yeah, for for me, I, I I echo a lot of a lot of what of what you just said and a lot of what we've already said um, in the past uh, two times we've discussed this album. I think um, I I think actually I've progressively enjoyed this album more and more as we've talked to it. I think the first time I was like, this is good, but not for me. Mm-hmm. Second time I was like, or maybe is this for me? And then I, and then I brought it back, uh, obviously, uh, today and uh, this weekend. And I was like, nah, nah, this is good. This is good. Mm-hmm. This is really good. Um, which is always interesting for me. Cause I, I think multiple times in this, in this, um, kind of matchups we've had, it's been, Oh, this is good, but, but we don't like it. And it's like, how do you do this? And I've, I've, I've had the full arc with, uh, with this album where I was like, this was good, but, eh. and now I'm like, Oh no, this is great. We'll say, yeah. I say it every time the, the, the jingle bell or not jingle bells, the Christmas song freaks me out. I think it is a jingle bells actually. Right, never mind. Right. Yeah. 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 And I'm like, Whoa, what are we doing here? It's a great song, but it's, it freaks me out every time. Um, and yeah. yeah, I think, um, another thing that really struck me, um, on my third, on this kind of third, third go around in this album is this is like, and this is obvious, I guess, but it's more apparent to me now. Is this like a little bit of a concept album in terms of like storytelling wise, like mm-hmm. starts off and it's like very clearly like positive, happy relationship. Um, and then like, obviously the last song is called the last time I saw Richard, which suggests mm-hmm. otherwise. <laughs> um, and I kind of really like followed the narrative um, in this kind of most recent session of listening and kind of unlocks uh, my third eye of like the new <laughs> like ah yes i i'm i am the joni mitchell understander now <laughs> i get it um yeah this is we've talked about it enough this, this album's incredible uh yeah. I'm, I'm i'm comfortable saying it <laughs> um yeah i think it's interesting to um to think about it in comparison to the the contemporaries at the time, several of which we we've discussed, from Neil Young to Leonard Cohen, um, and even American artists, or I think James James Taylor might be British, but people like that. And this this album like persists yeah. past those. It's even beaten like one or two of them. Uh, so it's some something special i i'll be honest like when it, thinking about it, it's like oh neil young Leonard cohen Joni mitchell i was like well i don't know it's gotta be neil young and then after that i actually i knew i didn't like Leonard cohen but i was i was surprised no, no, no. Um, you didn't like Leonard cohen right. i like Leonard cohen <laughs> right. i stop you right there sir. i apologize uh <laughs> yeah it's uh, I think it's interesting and obviously a testament yeah. to, to to the quality of of this album that, that she's persisted past not only like great albums but great albums kind of in the same vein yeah uh, as hers and yeah yeah that's that's kind of how I'm feeling yeah well you actually you touched on something interesting there too that I think we've maybe talked about a little bit um, throughout some of the episodes but I think what really makes um, like these these Canadian albums and these Canadian artists so great is when they can tell a story like when they are storytellers. Um, I don't think you run into concept albums in Canadian music a whole lot, to be honest. Like, I just I don't think it happens. Except for our homies just, Rush. <laughs> except for Rush. Um, R.I.P. Whole different thing. R.I.P. Um, uh, but, you know, it's being able to to tell a story and to to go about like a, a certain narrative too. like I think of I bring them up a lot now, but like I think of the hip and I think of the Arkells um, in their ability to like even in one song, not just sing a song, 
but they're telling a story, um, mm-hmm. right? Like I think about um, 50 Mission Cap, you know, telling the story of Bill Barocco for the Tragically Hip. Um, I think of uh, Drake's Dad by the Arkells, which is a great tune. Um, and they're telling a story and it's actually like a really good song. Um, but like the same way that I think about my old man on this record, the last time I saw Richard, um, she's not just singing a song. She is telling a story like it's it's got a beginning and it's got an end. Um, and it's not just, uh, I don't know what's, what's a dumb song that just doesn't have a purpose and just repeats over and over sandstorm Darude. There you go. Um, that's, doesn't tell a story. Doesn't even have lyrics. So anyway, my my favorite thing to watch is when you're like, I need to come up with a comparison, (laughs) whatever comparison you come up with, it's always the wildest, like it it works, it works, but it's just like, that's a poll. I just try to find something to spice it up a little bit, you know? Yeah, no, you're you're 100 right. Um, <laughs> she 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 tells the story. I was uh, I listened to this um, music podcast called Strong Songs. Um, it, it, he it's like he's just a musician and he like talks about different like songs and the way they're constructed and stuff like that. It's like actually good. It's not just like some rando. He's like a a session like jazz musician. Anyways, uh, and I was actually listening to an episode this week and he does like these Q and A's um, and talking about how like. Artists actually rarely write songs from like their own perspective. Um, you find a lot of like stories in songs. Like um, the references he pulled was like um, space space oddity is like obviously not mm. David Bowie singing about going to space. Are you sure? Um, well, <laughs> you don't know. Who you know? Fair enough. Who am I to say? But I think it's kind of like an interesting concept that you think about that like music always contains like. I all I would say all art contains some sort of truth about oneself, um, mm-hmm. be it like positive or negative. Um, but like the the way in which that stories come across are not necessarily they're not, it's not your autobiography when you're writing a song um, generally. And I think the best songs come across this way. Like you can tell listening to this album that Joni Mitchell is like sad. She's going through like breakups and like kind of like early but not first like kind of like love kind of thing um and you you can see these stories and i think it's really affecting without it being like i'm sad my (laughs) boyfriend broke up with me um i think there's there's merit in kind of those like straightforward anthems i think Mm. they're easy for people to understand and they're like extremely relatable but uh, something the way she weaves herself into these narratives that aren't maybe necessarily about her. Um, I think, I think it's really powerful. Yeah, no, I agree. You're, you're totally on it there. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's, that's, that's Joni's blue. We'll come back to it, but then first we're going to hop in or seconds, but before we, whatever, we're going to talk about Buffy St. Marie a little bit some more. Um, and her album power in the blood, we've talked about quite a bit. Um, I think, I, I, when we first started talking uh, about this album uh, months ago now, um, I, I did some reading that didn't make the cut um, in my, in, of the kind of stuff, but I want to share it anyways. And I think this is important because we're talking a little bit more about legacies here. Um, I think this is interesting. Um, the first note is uh, not the main point of side is that we talked a lot about how, wow, so cool that she's embracing these like kind of new artistic mediums uh, when she's like 
so old. Um, it's basically the point that we're making. But I read that um, in the 1980s, Buffy St. Marie began using the Apple II and Macintosh computers as early as 1981 to record her music and later some of her own visual art. One of the first of the time to do so. Oh, I thought that, I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, I'll be honest, I didn't even know Apple computers were that old. Um, so maybe that's just me. <laughs> but wasn't, like, just really quickly to interject, wasn't uh, Bowie on that train too? Like, didn't I'm pretty sure Bowie was super into computers for his music production too in the 80s. Yeah, I would. I, I'm not sure, but I would 100 percent believe that. Okay, um, especially, so I, especially yeah. 80s Bowie, who is somehow <laughs> even weirder. Than <laughs> that thought just crossed into my head, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure there's a couple, a couple people on that train. So that's cool. Okay, cool. Yeah, and and then I've got um, another kind of nebulous thing that I think kind of speaks a little bit about uh, Buffy herself and a little bit of American, a little bit of Canadian um, issues. Um, so, uh, what, where do I want to start? Um, oh. In a 1999 interview at Diné College, St. Marie said, quote, I found out 10 years later in the 1980s that President Lyndon B. Johnson had been writing letters on White House stationery praising radio stations for suppressing my music. In the 1970s, not only was the protest movement put out of business, but the Native American movement was attacked. St. Marie later said in the 2008 interview with the National Museum of American Indian that she had been blacklisted by American radio stations, that she, along with other uh, Native Americans and other Indigenous people in the Red Power movement were put out of business in 1970, notably for her release of songs such as I'm Going to Be a Country Girl Again. Um, as a result, blacklisted by, among others, President Lyndon B. Johnson, Richard Nixon, FBI Director, and FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover. None of that surprises me, but it's also no. shocking. <laughs> but it's also shocking. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. whoa, but I'm like, I'm thinking all three of those guys, I'm like, yeah, no, can't uh, can't say that that one's too too surprising. Um, yeah, damn. Yeah, like of the all best. people, like re- really? <laughs> yeah, it's um, dude, go after John Fogarty. Like, what you know? Like, damn, yeah, it's very, man. very very interesting stuff. Um, because I remember we talked a lot about um. We're talking a little bit about, or maybe I won't speak for you. I'll speak. For, I was a little bit like, wow, Buffy St. Marie is like kind of in the same class as some of the artists we've been talking about, the Joni Mitchells. We literally just listed off all the names like 10 minutes ago, mm-hmm. but I've never like really heard of her like in earnest. And there's like literally a reason for that because she was suppressed in American radio, which is how you were a successful artist in that time, essentially. Yeah. Um, I think that's interesting and relevant. Um, what this is about Canada. I, I, I will never suggest that maybe like, ah, see Canada's good. Um, <laughs> I would not suggest that it's particularly on indigenous issues, but nope. I think, um, I think it's, I think it's a relevant conversation because we talked a lot about, oh man, they never quite broke out into the States. And usually the answer is, eh, you know, whatever reason they didn't break out in the States here, there's a very clear reason why she never really broke out into the States. Uh, well, considering even in, in the eighties, she went in, Academy Award for best original song. But like, yeah. Uh, after that, she kind of uh, was not really given the, the the space to be like a successful recording artist in in the states. Well, no, it's interesting that you bring that up too, because I mean, like, into to talking about institutional discrimination and racism <laughs> towards Indigenous peoples is a whole like different like conversation to get mm-hmm. into. But in it would be interesting to to see that with relation to to the music industry and to politics, because I mean, um, these are 
these are individuals who were, you know, directly marginalized by governments and seeing how literally the president of the United States <laughs> went, I don't want your music. That's a whole different level of institutional discrimination and mm-hmm. racism. So yeah. that that is that is really interesting. And And to also add to that, I think one thing that we maybe didn't say, but like touched on a lot is that like breaking into the American market and getting big in America thereby also makes you big in Canada. Like you can be correct. Like you can yeah. have notoriety in Canada, but then breaking into the U S market makes you all the more legitimate and makes you even more popular in Canada. I don't know if mm-hmm. that, that makes it's, sense. It's, it's a vicious cycle because Canadians want to play popular music, yep. but they have to play a certain amount of Canadian music. Sure. And so the answer to that is to play a Canadians that have just become popular everywhere. Yeah. So like, and so that totally makes sense. Like if they, if she was completely denied entry into the, to the American market, it's no wonder why maybe she wasn't as big as she could have been possibly. Right. Does mm-hmm. that, is that kind of, Oh yeah. hundred percent. You get what I'm going at there. So yeah. yeah so and that, it's, it's very clear too, because uh, certainly uh, Joni Mitchell and Neil Young, especially we're also kind of talking about similar issues, um, but we're not treated as harshly as she was. And the, the answers are pretty obvious. God, no. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. sorry. Yeah, no, it's just, that's a very interesting thing to bring up. And like, I, I'm very, I'm very intrigued by that, mm-hmm. by, by the layers that might have. Um, yeah. Yeah. I I've, I've read like, three or four sentences of like this information, I would suggest people are interested. They, they should read up because I haven't read it, but I imagine this is a very interesting um, and you might learn deep rooted and pervasive issue, uh, especially in like the seventies to like eighties of mm-hmm. America, specifically mm-hmm. surrounding J Edgar Hoover, who basically just blacklisted anyone he didn't like. <laughs> Which which uh, was was crazy because he was like completely like maligned and blacklisted by society for the things that came out about him. Um, yeah. So it's just like it's just shocking. That's all how, how people can go to that extent. You know, I. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a true thing. Anyways, I, I wanted to provide that context. I thought it was interesting, but we, we can hop back into the album. Um, <laughs> Stupid politics. If we want to talk about, I mean, these things, uh, especially in St. Marie's um, work intersect a hundred percent. Yeah. I don't know if you have anything you want to say about the album. Cause I, now that I think about it, I don't have a ton I want to add. Cause I think we've kind of covered it. Yeah, honestly, like in terms of like in terms of background, I don't think I have anything to to add. I think that she's a super interesting figure um, and, and a super like um, amazing artist. Um, just again, I think that was the one thing we really were harping on the, the last time we were talking about this is her ability to redefine herself, redefine her music. It, it, like that takes a lot. Like it's one thing to write a good song. It's another thing to write a good song twice. Um like the same song twice. I mean, sorry. Um, and, and so I think that's really, um, really good and really special. Um, in, in terms of the album itself, I think it sounds good. Um, you know, like I, I, I didn't have any gripes with, with it the first time around, um, listening to it this time, I will say, I don't know. Are we getting into this part now? Can I talk? Can I? Oh yeah. Can I, talk about I the think, album? yeah. Okay. Um, I, I, I liked it more the first couple times I listened to it. And that's mm-hmm. not a, a discredit to how good it is because it still remains fantastic. Um, but I, I, 
listening to these two back to back, I I really I, I okay maybe I won't touch on Joni Mitchell yet. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep staying on Buffy Sanders. Mm-hmm. Um, what what I'll say is that like I didn't like the country style songs as much, and that was probably about half the album if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, like like the, you know the kind of like country twang to mm-hmm. it. She um, really slows it down too. Yeah, and it again not that they're bad because I don't think they are. I just enjoyed them less than I did originally. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how else to kind of frame that. I think I think I kind of uh, put it the way I, I, I wanted to I, put it. I can add I can add to that. Sure. Um, I think um, I, I in some in some ways I agree. I think one of the biggest um, like positives that I had to say about this album, especially the first time, was just like the pure shock value of like having no idea what it was going to be like. I mean, like wow, this is like so different and so interesting the way it works. Um, that kind of mystique and like shock value does obviously die down once you've listened to it. And I think I can agree that when kind of that removed, it it can be a little, um, much in some ways, I guess is maybe like a very simplistic way to say it. Um, yeah, I, I think this album really hangs its hat on, I think this album is in some ways maybe more interesting to think about than it is to listen to. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense. I think Buffy is a super interesting figure and what she does in this album is super interesting. Um, And the end results are good. Um, And in some cases really good. It's just um, maybe not as uh, it's, it's, it's more interesting than I think you then enjoyable in, in some ways. And that's to say that I think it's very interesting and pretty good. Um, not that yeah. it's bad in either sense. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Like, I think I think the concept of the album, not the concept album, but the concept of the album mm-hmm. um, is in itself really, really cool. Um, and I think you're right. Kind of warrants like its own its own thought, because like like I kind of touched on before, like being able to redefine your music. That's crazy. You know, like like people do remixes all the time and whatever, but like she literally went back, rewrote some of the lyrics to these songs, redid them in a completely different style. Like it's not just like, you know, how some bands do like their regular versions of songs, but then do their acoustic version of the song. She literally did the opposite (laughs) and um, and just completely like toned up all these songs and added all these new layers to them. Um, But yeah, I, I I. it's also not coherent. Yeah, I can agree. In a in a in a way of consistency, like like I think in in some cases that can make an album really good. Um, you know, when it's like kind of does all these different styles, does all these different things, like it's super cool. But typically, if you're if you're looking at an album from the point of being an album, you want there to be something that ties it together, but like in terms of like sonically, mm-hmm. but it, but it can't stray too far out of those sonic boundaries. And, and so if we're, we're talking about like comparison, maybe we can talk about that a little bit now. I don't know, but you know, with, with Joni Mitchell's album sonically, you know what you're getting the whole way through. Yeah. Right. Like you, you go one to 10 and you're like, yep, it's going to sound similar the whole time, different songs, obviously different, different themes, whatever it may be, but you know what you're getting with, with 
Buffy's record, I think you go into it with this like super techno, like crazy mm-hmm. um, intro song. And I think, is it Power on the Blood that opens it up? Or, yeah. Or, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so you got these like really crazy like reiterations of these songs, but then it goes to like country and you're like, that doesn't really make sense. Yeah. I would agree that Power in the Blood is the high in this album. Um, I don't necessarily think that like the first song being your best song is a bad thing, but um, it's certainly the highest, in my opinion, the album gets. Yeah. Um, and just, and it, if that's pure, like, whoa, what's going on here? Then uh, I don't know. I don't think that that's a bad thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think we've, I, I think we've kind of, settled on uh, our thoughts on this this album in that case i think we've, we've already started it but i think um i think, I think we're probably both on the same page here but I, I would like to talk through kind of our opinions uh comparing these two yeah. so i think it's very interesting um i i'll start because I, I i literally yeah, about to, <laughs> i was about to start anyways you go for it. um <laughs> i think it's interesting because as we've talked kind of briefly um Joni and Buffy are in many ways contemporaries. Um, however, we have albums from the two of them at completely opposite ends of their careers. Oh yeah. Um, 100% opposite. And obviously, uh, Joni Mitchell for a variety of reasons hasn't really done much both like as musician, as just like a public figure in a long time. Um, so she hasn't really had that chance to maybe reinvent herself. Maybe she doesn't want to, uh, I don't know. Um, but I think uh, it's really interesting to kind of, in, in a way you can compare them because some of these songs that she's performing, uh, Buffy, are songs that she wrote, like at the time, Joni Mitchell would have been writing Blue, uh, which is super interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know if I have like direct comparison points to make. I just wanted to like mention that I think it's interesting that we've kind of got two two of the same but who kind of went on to take very different paths in their uh musical and uh, artistic careers uh and, and we've, we've kind of caught them at two very different points um yeah that, those are my compare those are, i guess i'm not really comparing the albums <laughs> in any way like musically but i i think it is interesting that we have them both here um i don't think i have any like really direct comparisons yeah, I, I don't really know if you can make make direct comparisons. Um, mm-hmm. Like, like I think in their own way, each album is rooted in like heavily in personal identity um, mm-hmm. in, in very different ways. I think. I, I, I think for Joni Mitchell's album, it's very it's rooted in personal emotion personal identity um whereas i think with buffy it's certainly rooted in personal identity and personal experience but i it's more interested i think in telling a story about the collective cultural identity and in knowing a couple of the themes on the record like it's incorporating it's trying to incorporate all of these things like um you know i i think they're trying to they they had contemporary um contemporary recordings of um of indigenous instruments and all these other things where so if you in saying that i mean like it's more of a group project in a way it's trying to tell a group story um is the 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 vibe that i got from the album um whereas with Joni, it's more of a personal story um i don't know if there's a right or wrong way to do it i think it's certainly subjective and it depends on whatever you're doing i don't you know um but yeah i very different records yeah. is, is kind of my my take on it. Um, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, just very different records. Yeah, I think I have one last take that I didn't really take before we before we before we decide and kind of wrap up. Is I think mm-hmm. uh, Buffy Saint Marie. Uh, the thing that I've said it again, but I, I, I I've said it before, but I have to say it again just because I think it's so interesting. She she writes songs. She she wrote songs in in the late sixties, early seventies about issues going on at the time. And she, she's not covering those songs in many ways. She's updated them to reflect Mm -hmm. what's going on now. And in many cases, those albums, those songs did not need very many revisions. Um, and it's, it's tragic, but it's, it's really kind of poetic, um, in like the worst ways possible that she's kind of doing it. And I think it, I think it's very interesting. A A song like, carried on is like the last song on the album and it's basically like carry it on like as this, as the name implies and it's it's very sad um mm-hmm. but it's it's it comes together to make beautiful music in in some in some very sad ways but yeah that's kind of my my final point on buffy because i think um at the end of the day for me uh i, I think joni's album c- carries a little more weight than than this yeah and i mean we've talked a lot about how you know, the albums go on to influence things or what they might influence. Um, I think we've had a couple of cases of that too, where we've tried to be like, Hey, it's a newer album, but let's see like what it could, could maybe do. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not convinced in the same way that that power in the blood has the ability to influence or carry on in this. In, interestingly, with that last song in the same way that, Johnny Mitchell's record I know has um, mm-hmm. we talked a lot in that episode I think when we were first discussing it about how much she uh, how much influence she had on on female artists and Canadian artists and um, I think a, a lot of female artists uh, all attribute a lot of their early um, their early listening to to Joni Mitchell I think we talked about Avril Lavigne specifically doing that in their matchup mm-hmm. um, and I think about the weight that that record carries um, in what it meant probably for, you know, and it can at the time I was going to say contemporary, but, um, um, amongst her contemporaries, uh, was probably the better way to put it. Um, and I, I feel, I feel like that that record is just, it's such a classic. Um, and it carries a lot of weight for, for female artists particularly. And I mean, who am I to say at the same time, like, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not a female artist, so who am I to say? Um, but from an outside perspective, from what I have seen and from a lot of the, uh, the attribution or attribute, I can't even think of the word, you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. how many people credit her as being an influence? I just can't help but feel that if we're talking about what is the, the, the greatest Canadian record of all time, I, I think it, that matters and it carries weight. Um, but, but to, to give Buffy credit, um, I think that her, her presence and her, her, um, her boldness to always be, you know, pushing, pushing the norms. Like if their entire career, she was, you know, into the entirety of hippie culture um, in that time was kind of speaking out against all the things that were going on. And she was speaking out against societal and institutional things that were going wrong. Um, and also doing that as an indigenous person in a time when they were still in and still are heavily marginalized um, in society by, by institutions that, that want to not see them succeed. Re, you know, we just talked about Lyndon Johnson. You brought that up and Richard Nixon. Um 
she it's not to take away from her an artist as an artist at all um because i think she's phenomenal i think she um has accomplished some amazing things and this record is just a continuation of that power in the blood um but but the weight that the album of blue particularly carries i think is more significant overall than power in the blood i think will be um i hope that articulates everything that i am thinking properly (laughs) yeah no um i agree Uh, i think i think both i think both these albums are 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 great but i i at the end of the day i think joni is kind of outshines it a little bit and to me this is like uh, I kind of knew the answer that uh, I was going for going into this, but it wasn't like a, like a washout in any ways. Um, I, I think it was, it, it was like close, but definitive for me um, going through this. Mm-hmm. And, and at the end of the day, it comes down to a feeling, right. And, and it is subjective mm-hmm. and everybody enjoys things different. Like I always say that, but like, you know, like I, I, I could sit down and listen to blue on repeat. I don't know if I could do the same with power of the blood. And that's ultimately what, what draws me. Yeah, I agree. Well, in that case, we're, uh, we'll, we'll wrap up here to say that Joni Mitchell's blue has beaten out Buffy St. Marie's power in the blood in this semifinal quarterfinal match. <laughs> it's the quarterfinal. Confusing. It's the quarters. Uh, Cause we're doing four of these. So it's the quarters. It's easy. I should, I should just know this. Yep. This quarterfinal match at the great Canadian songbook, greatest Canadian album bracket challenge. And Hey, power mm-hmm. in the blood made it a long way. Like it went from the yeah. first round all the way. I think it beat out two, two albums, three albums to get here. Two albums. Two albums. Yeah. Like, I will, I will say we, our, our seating was interesting. We both, both Joni and Buffy were first rounders that we, we didn't seed uh, above and they both beat out their kind of original seeds and the, uh, and our like elite albums. So, um, amazing, amazing run so far for them. Uh, yeah. Looking forward to next week. We've got, uh, music from big pink, uh, by the band going up against the weekend's trilogy, which is always a, will always be an interesting matchup, no matter what. Um, I'll just have to find a spare four hours to really dig into that album. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting uh, matchup. And, and sorry, my dog's barking, but, um, that's a, that'd be a weird one to talk about. Um, yeah, I feel compare. like we've had some, we've had some really good matchups this, um, this round, I guess. Um, yeah, this is this is definitely this is definitely the weirdest uh, one, but I think I think it'll be good nonetheless. Two, believe it or not, they've made it through two two good albums. Uh, yeah, and then after that, we'll be hopping into the semifinals. We'll be deciding who goes to the final round, and we're gonna have some matchups in the semis, uh, to say the very least. Wow, we um, we kind of. I, I guess no. We had a pretty decent matchup. We're kind of skewing a little older here. We're a bunch, there's a bunch of boomers here talking about fifty-year-old albums. <laughs> I mean, back in my good, day, yeah, no, shit. no, <laughs> no. I definitely don't argue with that. Uh, yeah. All right then. Cool. Um, looking forward to next week. Uh, as always, you can catch us every Friday at seven on Radio Laurier or uh, on basically any podcast service you'd use, but we're definitely on Spotify because I've seen it with my own two eyes. I haven't looked with my own two eyes at anything else. Uh, yeah. So check us out there. And uh, Keegan, uh, what do you want to say to the people? Um, 
be be nice to other humans and also animals. Um, that's I don't know why I was thinking that. Okay, right a little sappy, a little, a little sappy, sappy, but that's okay. Um, and go listen to Phoebe Bridges because I always tell everybody to listen to Phoebe Bridges. Uh, so just go yeah, I, I was I'm sending the Kyoto music video to my friend, and I was like, "Did you watch it yet?" So good, man. Did you watch it yet? It's oh, so, so good. good. <laughs> so good. Um, anything, yeah. and, and, to, and to all my and to all my Mitski oh. heads out there, Mitski's putting out a new track. Get hyped! She's uh, scoring a, the soundtrack to a graphic novel. So. That's we are interesting. Wait, hold we on, are st- hold on. Can you unpack that? I, I just need to. Yeah, uh, I can unpack it as much as to say yes. What I said was correct because I don't have a ton <laughs> of super. It's it's very strange. Um, Mitski is a uh, she's an elusive figure in music. She put out like five albums in like five years and then hasn't dropped since 2018. Nice. But she is. But then last year she put out a. Uh, a like soundtrack song for a very bad horror movie that I couldn't even tell you the name of. Um, song's good, but Mitski is, uh, is uh, Chris. She is scoring or not scoring, but she's creating like a soundtrack to uh, "This Is Where We Fall," a new graphic novel by writer Chris Sikowitz and artist Vincent Kings. That's out May fifth via Zed Two Comics. Um, I don't really know how that works. I feel like they're just like, let's make some music. That's my guess. Probably. Um, but yeah, I am cool. starved for content, so I will take whatever they have. <laughs> oh, <laughs> cool. That's interesting. Nice. Yeah. So yeah. Um, shout out to intermediate intermediary experience. Not, you know what I mean? Anyways, um, this extended outro has been brought to you by Keegan and myself. And uh, until next week, and all thy son's commands. Is that where we're on now? Is is it all? Okay. Oh, I just pick a random one. Oh, okay, I just uh, didn't know. <laughs> I, okay, anyways, bye. Sorry, my bad. <laughs>